I am. You are. Yes. If you think about it, it never makes sense not to trust him. That's right. Yes. Thank you. He is a deliverer. He is. Israel will tell you that he fights battles and wins. Yes, he does. Praise you, Lord. Always, always. God is always the majority. Praise you, Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. In every battle. Thank God for the choir. Amen. Pointing us to Christ as they sing his praises. Pointing us to his greatness. Pointing us to his glory. Pointing us to his faithfulness. As they sing his praises. Well, let's see what the Lord will do. I want to dive back into this passage. So let's... Uh, Turn to page six of your programs. Responsive reading. The Lord wills will finish this passage today. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And that the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house of the disciples asked him again about his And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. Together? And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. It's the word of God. Yes, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the privilege of preaching for your holy, holy, holy word. You are always right. Your word is always authoritative. Word is always without error. Your word is forever relevant for all times and in all places, in all seasons of life. Your word is what we need. We're coming to your word today, Father. We're coming to your word today. And there should not be controversy over the subject of marriage and divorce, but 
We live in such a fallen world. And Father, what is even most unfortunate is that the ideology of the world in regards to marriage and divorce has found its way into the church and infected and influenced the minds of some of your people. So Father, I want to be clear today. I want to preach your word. I want to be bold, but I want to be loving. I, I, I want to preach in the demonstration and power of the Spirit. I want us to see marriage only as you see it. For your view is the only right view. So open our hearts to, to hear, to understand your word, and to receive it, and to obey it, and to live it out, and to proclaim it in this fallen world, in our families, in our places of employment, in, in every opportunity you give us as disciples of Christ. Bless, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is part two, a word about divorce. A word about divorce. On last uh, Lord's Day, by the way, good to see you, Sister Joy. I know I shook your hand, but uh, just want to Amen. welcome you. Um, Thank you, back. Lord. Amen. You've been saved. It's a blessing to see you. Amen. On last Sunday, we preached verses 1 through 5. Okay? Here's what we saw. We looked at verses 1 through 5. We had two main points. One was the word confronted. We saw these sinful religious men confront the word, the written word, excuse me, the word that became flesh, Jesus Christ. We saw the place of the confrontation and we saw um, the universal ministry of Jesus uh, through that through to the Jews as well as to the uh, Gentiles. He went to both and both are guilty for his death as well. We saw uh, his continued faithfulness in teaching the word even if people did not receive it. He continued to faithfully teach it. We saw the people in the confrontation. Again, it's the Pharisees who came up. We saw their purpose for, for confronting Jesus. Uh, the purpose uh, for confronting him was uh, to test him, to trap him, okay, sinfully, of course, okay? And we, we examined that this question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? We looked at the background behind uh, 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 the question, uh, the two schools of thought uh, among the rabbis, the two rabbis, Shammai and Hillel. We saw Shammai had a more uh, strict understanding of divorce and remarriage, okay? And we saw that the Pharisees did not embrace uh, that strict understanding, but they embraced the more liberal understanding of, of, of Hillel, who could who was very liberal and basically taught that a, 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 a man could divorce his wife for any reason. 
Okay? And we know the parallel passage in uh, Matthew chapter 19 expands our understanding of, of the question here. They were not just asking if he can divorce his wife, but they were asking, uh, you know, like Hillel says, can he divorce his wife for any reason? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was the word confronted, right? Remember, they're confronting the word to try and justify what they want to do. Yes, sir. We saw the word communicated, Jesus. He, he, he issued a very challenging uh, um, response to their challenging question, didn't he? <laughs> he? He said what we should always say. What does the word say? <laughs> what did Moses say? And in saying what did Moses say, Jesus was saying, okay, what does the Bible say? That should always be our challenging response and then they had a very challenging response to Jesus challenging question excuse me um, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away Jesus gives a very clear explanation in verse 5 that we dealt with in depth last week why did Moses do that because of the hardness of your heart. But we learn from that Moses never commanded divorce. Okay? He never commanded divorce. Never commanded divorce. Um, Moses' certificate of divorce was designed to protect women who were being uh, tossed around and treated any type of way by these male chauvinist men who were divorcing their wives at every, any whim. Okay? I, I just like her better, so I'm going to get rid of her. So Moses sought to protect women, and we saw in that context of, De of Deuteronomy 32, yeah. In Deuteronomy 32, we saw in that context uh, how Moses was trying to protect women because these men would divorce them, and then they could, they could, if they wanted to, turn around and marry her again. Just, just use her as they pleased. So Moses' certificate was designed to protect men, but he gave the certificate because of the hardness of hearts, not because it was commanded by God. So, then Jesus, here in verse 6, he wants to make it clear, in verses 6 through 12, his heart on marriage and his heart regarding divorce. He wants to make it real clear. If you've been here at Resurrected sometime, you know I can, I'm a very passionate man when it comes to preaching. Amen. Right? Amen. I'm very passionate when it comes to preaching and I'm not angry when I'm preaching. I'm just passionate about the Word of God. But also if you've been here for some time, in spite of my many flaws, you know I love the people of God. I love the people of God. Okay. So this won't, this will not be easy. But let's dive into the today's message. And I want us to hear first of all in verses six through nine the word clarified by Christ. The word clarified in regard to marriage. Then in verses 10 through 12, 
I want us to hear the word clarified in regards to divorce and remarriage, which I will have to look at the parallel passage along with uh, 1 Corinthians 7. Okay? The word clarified in regard to marriage. Now Moses gave the certificate of divorce. Actually, Moses said, this has to be done. He's not commanding divorce, but he's saying, he, uh, you, you have to write her a certificate of divorce for her protection. But he's only allowing that because your heart is hard in regards to God's ideal for marriage. <laughs> he says, that's what Moses did, but notice he said, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Wow. What do we learn from that? First of all, Marriage is between one man and one woman. The but, but's a word of contrast, remember? It introduces a contrast between the Pharisees' view of marriage and actually the predominant view of marriage in that day. Because the, it, most embraced Hillel. In fact, even his Jesus' disciples embraced that view. I'll show you that in a moment. Um, but the but introduces the contrast between their view of marriage and the higher intention of God. To prove his point, Jesus quotes from Genesis 1.27 and Genesis 2.24. 127 is in verse 6. According to the parallel passage in Matthew 19, 4, Jesus actually prefaced his reply with a pointed rebuke against the spiritual pride of the Pharisees. He prefaced his reply with this question. He said to them, looked them dead in the face and said, have you not read? You're supposed to be experts in the law. He indicted them for their ignorance. Have you not read? And beloved, I could preach that one line. Because when I hear all that I hear today regarding marriage and divorce in the context of the church, my question is, have you not read? There's no reason for the church to be ignorant in regards to marriage and divorce. It's in the Bible. Adam and Eve formed the pattern for marriage. Since at the beginning of creation, God made one male and one female. Now, the distinction of the sexes established at creation underlies the institution of marriage and it is the foundation of the human family. Male and female is without the article in the Greek so it means a male and a female indicating that the reference is to a single pair. Okay? And we know Adam and Eve, right? The distinctive physical 
physical constitution of male and female made each the complement of the other, fitted for each other. The man was not superior to the woman. They were equals. There was a functional difference, but before God, they are the same in worth. Is the husband an heir of the grace of life? The wife is a fellow heir of the grace of life. First Peter 3 and 7. She is not her husband's property. She is his wife. Now the husband is the head of the wife. But before the Lord, they are both equal and precious. Functional difference does not deny equality. Any wife who has by sovereign grace received Jesus as Lord and Savior does not have to join the women's liberation movement. You know why? Because the Bible offers you something far better than that sinful movement. Follow me. Now, since marriage as originally created in the Garden of Eden involves two people only, one man with one woman, this tells us something about Jesus and his thinking regarding marriage. Jesus does not approve of or endorse polygamy. Multiple wives. Right? May I say to you, don't watch foolish television shows. You end up boosting their ratings that have these uh, 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 men with multiple wives in, in these ungodly relationships that goes against God's word so you don't want to boost the ratings of something that goes directly against God's word and God's holy institution for marriage. Right. Yeah. God, it was not to one man and several women if God had intended for there to be several women for one man, then he would have created multiple women for Adam. Yes, sir. It was one man for one woman. Follow me. I want you to notice as well, God made a man and a woman. He did not make a group of people that were free to configure themselves as they saw fit. Right? He didn't do that. Same-sex unions violate God's perfect plan. God created Adam and Eve, a man and a woman. It was not to be two men or two women. It was to be one man and one woman only, and any other combination is against God's original design. And Jesus hasn't changed his mind on that. In fact, turn with me to Romans 1. I want to show you something just quickly here. As an aside,
Vamos humana. Verse 26, I... If you have uh, been listening to Elder Eves on Romans, then you have a context for Romans and understanding the layout of, of Romans, I know, up to chapter 4. This is chapter 1. You there? Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. That goes all the way back to Genesis. God created a woman. And when a woman desires to be a man, she's exchanging what is natural for what is unnatural. Right? God created a one man for one woman. And when a woman desires to be in a sexual relationship with another woman, that's unnatural. It's unbiblical. Follow me. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. It is unnatural for a man to want to be a woman and for a man to want to be in a relationship with another man. That is against God's design. And that is not another branch of Christianity. Can you hear me preaching? You cannot, you cannot go to heaven living like that. That's right. Right? Jesus did not believe that. Jesus says God made one man and one woman. Now you might have these feelings and desires that are unnatural like I just spoke about. And maybe you say, well, why do I have these feelings and desires? The same reason as a man, I have feelings and desires for a woman that is not my wife. Simple. Yours is just manifested in that unnatural way, and mine is just manifested in an unnatural way. We're simple. That's why. My feelings does not change what God said. And my experience doesn't change what God said. God made one man and one woman. And just a side note again, uh, the government can't legislate that.
They can't do it. It's ungodly. That's a call. Let me pause and give a bit. If God is talking to you right now, I call you to repentance. And I call you to a better and greater and prosperous life, an abundant life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, sir. He changed this old boy. Right? So, regardless of what culture says, Okay, now now is it is is this type of woman? Now is this now we got LBGT now 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 we have all of this. Pastor, this is 2019. Well, this is God's word. And God is right, and everybody else is wrong. I'm not saying if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. I'm saying if you don't agree with God's word, you're wrong. I'm not, I'm just preaching the Bible this morning. Right? So, Jesus doesn't believe in polygamy. He doesn't embrace homosexuality. Right? He believes in, in, in God's intent for marriage. One man with one woman. Right? Monogamy, right? Jesus helps us here. Because these people that believe differently, they butcher the scriptures. Jesus gives us a, this is a side note, he gives us the best guide to scriptural interpretation right here. He says, but from the beginning of creation. And, and, and Jesus shows the Pharisees how, that, how the Bible begins must take precedence. Right? See, the structure of the Bible as a whole must shape how we interpret it. The structure of the Bible as a whole must shape how we interpret all the parts of it. Okay? All the parts of the Bible along the way must be rightly understood. If they are Detach, if you detach them from the grand narrative of the Bible that culminates in Christ, your interpretation of what you're saying God said has to be wrong. Yes, See, the Pharisees didn't think like Jesus. They're just looking narrowly at, uh, 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 well, here's what Moses said. Right? As if it was enough. But you can't get what Moses said right unless you understand God's intent on the subject in the beginning. So what Jesus did, he connected what Moses said with uh, uh, what God said at the beginning in the larger narrative of the Bible. That's why he saw it more profoundly than what they said. Sorry. That's why he saw it biblically and they saw it unbiblically. Yes, sir. Marriage is between who? One, one woman and one man. One man and one woman. Yes, sir. Not several women. Amen. Jesus does not believe in homosexuality. No, sir. Or lesbianism. Amen. That's right. 
Jesus believes instructs marriage. One man, one, one, one woman. He does not believe in same-sex marriages. My precious young people, if you will take the right stand for truth, you have to say that. Because if your friends embrace that, they're in bondage. Yeah. And it's only one way to get them out of bondage. Oh, yeah. It's truth. True. The truth sets people free. Yes, sir. Not you saying okay to their lifestyle. Come on, no, sir. Something wrong with you if you're saying okay. Right. Okay, I, I better move on. Uh, uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. That's what we learn as Jesus, Jesus gives clarity. But marriage is a priority relationship. Verse 7. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. You see that? Now, leave here is a very strong term. Strong term. The compound form meaning to leave behind, to abandon. Now, of course, it does not mean, of course, it does not mean, of course, it does not mean that uh, when a, a man gets married, he abandoned his parents. Doesn't mean that, okay? Also, this may surprise you, but in the Jewish context, it had to mean, and it had to be deeper than just leaving physically. Come on now. Oh, makes sense. Let me tell you why. Because neither before Moses nor after Moses was it ever a custom for a man to leave his father and mother when he took a wife. It was never a custom. It just wasn't done among the Jews. In fact, in fact, the custom was for a man to marry and remain in his father's household like uh, Jacob's sons, for example, who remained with him though they founded their own families and fortunes. Rather, custom called for the wife to join the family of her husband. So Moses' declaration, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, must be understood, stood, beloved, as a prescription for loyalty and intimacy that a man must give his wife. He must leave his family. Follow me, I'm going somewhere. When a man marries, he enters into a new and very intimate relationship that pre takes precedence over all other previous ties. So, to leave one's parents in ancient time would have been thought of as the most unnatural thing to do because in this context, family ties were of the greatest importance. But watch this. The creation ordinance puts marriage, the marriage tie, above all other relationships other than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Even family. The union with his wife is so profound that he leaves his family, the Jewish man I mean, I'm talking about, he leaves his family even though he remains with them because his first obligation, his first loyalties must be to his wife. That's a strong verb here. It demands decisive action. 
Listen, marriage, beloved, is the single most lasting relationship in life. It trumps all other relationships. You know it does. Children grow up and leave home. Brothers and sisters form their own families. Friendships we know are fragile and passing. Marriage is the one relationship in which people live in the same house, <laughs> eat from the same table, sleep in the same bed, as long as they both shall live. Alright. Right? Husband and wife promise to love and trust each other to endure with, with one another without, without preconditions. And my brothers, I want you to notice the text carefully. It is not the one who makes all the sacrifices to get the marriage going. The text says a man shall leave his father and mother. So anti-cultural. The man leaves. How do I know my uh, uh, interpretation of what God is saying is right? That he's talking about a priority relationship. He's talking about this relationship taking precedence above all other relationships because of what it, what it says. He leaves and he cleaves. Translated in the ESV, hold fast to his wife. Now check this out, brothers. Hold fast literally means to be glued together. It can be translated clean, fasten his grip, follow closely, stay close, stick together, or just stuck. Marriage involves two people are unbreakably connected together. It speaks of the strength of the bond here. In fact, the Hebrew root translated hold fast is used in Isaiah 41 7 to speak of soldering two parts of metal together. You are joined to your wife at a profound level. You do not ask her to move your way to do all the adjusting. The man takes the initiative to move toward his wife, enfolding her into his heart, bonding her with her as with no other human being, not even his children. Amen. Amen. I wish I had somebody else in here with me. You rejoice like Adam did. Adam saw and said, oh my goodness, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because Ishkah, she was taken out of man. I'm not preaching this because I have it all together either. But at every level of his being, a husband should be wholeheartedly devoted to his wife, loyal to his wife, steadfast towards his wife, as toward no other person on earth. It's a priority relationship. In fact, that's how you lead. But think about that, my brothers. You don't ever have time for it. You better think about that. All right. If she's not number one in your heart, you better think about that. Amen. 
Your eyes are roaming when you're not around her. You better think about that. Have I got any warriors in this house? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Clarity Marriage is a priority relationship that takes priority over all other relationships other than your relationship with Christ. But let me tell you the third thing, verse 8. I got to keep walking here. Marriage is a permanent relationship. Look at verse 8. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. One flesh is a biblical definition of marriage, and it, the words are loaded. Oh, I'm getting ready. Get ready. The word one speaks of a life fully shared. Flesh speaks of a mortal life fully shared, although it's a momentary life because life is short, really. That's right. <laughs> In the one flesh relationship, a union of marriage, all the boundaries between a man and a woman must fall away. The married couple comes together completely, completely. as long as they live. As long as they live. Yeah. When you get married, two selfish people yeah. start learning to think yeah. like one unified us. Why did God make it like this? I, 
I can't tell you all, but I'll tell you the main reason he made it like that. Because marriage is a reflection of Christ and his church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 to 31. Marriage is a reflection of Christ and his church. Am I one with Christ? Better believe it. Absolutely. Uh, when, I, when the Lord saved us, he brought us into union with Jesus Christ and we became one with him. He created marriage to be a reflection of that relationship. People ought to see the gospel in marriage. <laughs> but wait a minute. The scripture says further. The two will become one flesh, the no longer two but one. And listen, I want to give additional truth attached to one flesh. All right, all right. One flesh speaks of the sexual act. That's right. That's right. Break it down. He unites a man and a woman in the most intimate fashion. For example, you remember you, you remember in 1 Corinthians 6, 16, Paul is uh, commanding and objecting against being involved in sexual unions with harlots, he says. Because that involves becoming one flesh. Yeah. That's right. Paul is saying that relationship befits only a husband and his wife. Amen. So marriages were actually consummated yes. by sexual union. Yes, sir. Okay? You remember uh, Jacob? Mm -hmm. He loved him some Rachel. Yeah. Laban she tricked him, didn't he? You think, don't you ask, you know, we look at our culture, yes, well, how come you didn't know it was Rachel? Well, she, she was veiled. Yeah. All right. And when she was brought into his tent, he didn't have a light switch to turn on. Like you and I. Yeah. Okay. He woke up the next day and found out he had consummated a marriage with Lydia. Sex, sexual union, consummated the marriage. Now I want you to see what Jesus is saying here. God planned for a man and a woman, right? To give their hearts, their wills to each other, right? They do that first, then they give their bodies. Right? And in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says they, that they were naked and, 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 and felt no shame. You know, they, they walk around naked, they could, they, they could reveal everything, and there was no shame. When they pledge to love one another for life, it's safe to give the body. After right. that, y'all right. right. don't hear me, do you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. When there's a commitment yes. to the marriage covenant, 
It's safe to become pregnant. Y'all don't hear me. Which tells us that Jesus also didn't believe in sex before marriage. Wow, I heard very few amens on that one. But I'm not afraid to say it again. Jesus did not believe in sex before marriage because the, the, the order he's giving you here is that you must pledge yourselves to one another. You must make a commitment before God. Then and only then is it safe to give your body to one another and to be joined and consummate the marriage in sexual union. You have no business consummating something that you have not committed to. Sex before marriage is no big deal in our world, but it's a big deal to God. And you profess to know Jesus Christ. Jesus says, sex before marriage is ungodly, unbiblical, unnatural. Have I got any words in here? Well, Pastor, what are you going to do with the reality? You know, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it, and they are sinful. Right. And they need to repent. Right. And I'm calling you to repent us this morning. And if you do not repent, if you do not repent over time, you will wish you would have listened to this man preaching God's word and repented of your sins. Marriage is no casual union. Marriage is not uh, something subject to the desires and whims of a, of a male chauvinist dictator. Ma marriage, according to Jesus, is a close and binding union, the closest of all unions known on this earth. It must be treated with reverence, with respect, and is designed to be a permanent relationship. Right? You're sitting there and say, well, Pastor, I've had sex before marriage. What must I do? Repent and don't do it again. That's, a simple, that's simple right there. Repent. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Don't put yourself in that context again where it can't happen. Repent and don't do it again. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness, but it doesn't cleanse you from habitual sin. No, it doesn't cleanse you from habitual sin. That's your lifestyle. You know, what I mean by habitual sin, I mean by habitual sin this, that, Lord, I forgive you, then go back and do it again as if, you know, and, uh, Lord, I forgive you, uh, Lord, forgive me, go back and do it again. Lord, forgive me, go back and do it again. You never repented. You were never sorry. That's your lifestyle, and you're not being cleansed in forgiveness, getting forgiveness for that, because if you're being cleansed, you wouldn't just keep on just going back and doing it over and over again. You get a stain out the shirt, I can wear it. People can see the stain's not there. Marriage, verse 9. Marriage is God's covenant. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate it. Now the two become one flesh, verse 8, right? Jesus, what do you see in verse 
connection in verse 8 and 9. Jesus says, I see God at work. Well, therefore, God is joined together. So, a husband and a wife, when they marry, do not become one flesh by their own wills or by the pastor pr pronouncement or by some mysterious process. Amen. God joins them together. Yeah. God is at work. Yeah. Let me pause for a moment. You want a real marriage. You better make sure you get married to a real Christian. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. You want to live with oneness. Amen. You want to reflect Christ in the church. Yes, you better make sure that you marry someone who not only says I'm a Christian, Amen. who's not only going to a particular church, but you better make sure you marry someone who, if they were convicted of being a Christian, they could be convicted based on the evidence in their life that they actually do love and know Jesus. You better marry somebody that's showing the fruit of the Spirit in their life and not trying to get you in bed, man or woman. oneness with somebody going in an opposite direction. Therefore, that's the logical con con conclusion concerning marriage according to the divine creative arrangement. Therefore, God has joined. Eris tense, not the perfect. That means it doesn't refer to special cases where two individuals been joined in marriage. It looks at the union instituted by God himself in creation. God arranged the abiding union when as yet there was only one man and one woman. That word join is interesting. It's a, it literally means yoked together. It gives a beautiful and very appropriate picture of the marriage relationship. Husband and wife are united under a common yoke and you must work cooperatively in love as true yoke fellows. Mm -hmm. Look at Jesus defending the woman in this context. This is your true yoke fellow, brothers. Yes. He says to the Pharisees, you're embracing that unbiblical view. Let me lift up the head of the woman. She's not your slave. She's not your toy. You can't just dismiss her and cast her off at your leisure. She's your complement. She's your counterpart. Marriage is a holy estate where you are yoked together. Right? And Jesus concludes with a divine imperative. Let not man separate. That's a word used for divorce. Let not man separate. Right? But the law says, okay, let not man separate. But law also just passed, okay, let not man separate. How are you going to pass a law determining what happens yeah. with a covenant that doesn't even belong to man? That's right. It's God's covenant. Amen. Well, Pastor, how do you know that it's God's covenant? Well, you remember in the book of Malachi I shared it last week? 
when the Lord went to hear the prayers of Israel, because he said, this is what he said in Malachi 2.14, the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth, between you, uh, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. That's one reason I know. Here's another reason. Who created male and female? Without God creating male and female, there would be no such thing as marriage. Well, who said be fruitful and multiply? Genesis 1.28. God did. Well, who said it's not good for man to be alone? I will make a helper suitable for him. Genesis 2.18. God said that. Well, who brought uh, the woman to the man after he created the woman, after putting the man to sleep? The man didn't have any idea who was about to be made. Who brought it to him? God did. At every angle, marriage is God's covenant. Marriage is God's covenant. Marriage is God's covenant. Let no man separate. For God is joined together. Right? Do I have any warriors? Well, that's the word clarified in regards to marriage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Notice in verse 10 through 12, the word clarified in regards to divorce and remarriage. The disciples have long away. Hold it, hold it, though. The disciples have long away. Hold it, God. They go in the house. Verse 10 says that in the house, the disciples ask him about this matter. <laughs> According to Matthew 19:10, the parallel passage, passage, the disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, whew, it's better not to marry. You notice that it said, as such, as such was the case in marriage, it is better not to marry. Not as if such is the case of a man with his wife. In other words, if I can't do like Hillel said, just put her away whenever I want to. Yeah. If that's the case, I might as well not be married. Even the disciples were messed up. They're blown away. Jesus, you gotta break this down. What you said is contrary to all we've learned and how we've been brought up to understand marriage. You've got to break this down. Yes. And if you think Jesus just shocked them with what he said in verses 6 through 9, he really blowed them away with verses 11 and 12. Because in, in verse 11 and 12, he gives the results of an unbiblical divorce. It, this blows me away. This is shocking to me. Jesus is not only divorce contrary to God's purpose, but Jesus says it results in adultery when the divorced spouse remarries. He's drawing his logic from verses 6 to 9, what he just said about marriage. If the first marriage is permanent in God's eyes, then remarriage after divorce is equivalent to adultery against the former wife. Look at the two verbs. Divorce and marriage. Aris, tense. It pictures the actual release of the wife and the entrance into marriage with another woman. Divorce is a sin. Because it disrupts a union that God intended to be permanent. I'm talking about this context. Follow me now. 
then his marriage adds to your sin because it, it establishes an adulterous relationship. The only reason the men wanted to get, to, get divorced mm -hmm. because they just wanted to marry somebody else. Mm -hmm. oh, Jesus. And Jesus said, you committed adultery. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, no. Divorce, to divorce the wife was a sin, but it was an adultery. But the adultery came in when you marry another. That's the man. Is that true for the woman? Mm -hmm. Look at the text. If she divorces and marries another, mm -hmm. she just is accountable, right? Yes. She enters into a relationship with another man after an unbiblical divorce, then mm -hmm. she commits adultery. Both are guilty of adultery in the eyes of the Lord. So, verse 11 and 12 simply explains the implications of verse 5 through 9. Right? Divorce is contrary to God's purpose for marriage. It arises out from hard human hearts. And it produces adultery. Right? Man, I ain't warriors here. Woo, let me give me some water. I'm coming. I'm coming to a close. Marriage is holy. Amen. You know what? We ought to pause. We walk a little bit. And thank God. Come on, kids. All right. Amen. We're pause. Thank God. All right. something Sister Rosalind separated from a so-called ministry yes. that had an unbiblical view of marriage. Yes, sir. Yes. Still unbiblical. Yeah. Okay. And covenant keepers was fully established after that. Yes, sir. Thank you, God. Thank you. So, Pastor Jacks, will you tell us the reasons for divorce and remarriage? Turn to Matthew 19.9. I want to help you. you just, I just showed you the results of unbiblical divorce. Right? Yes. Maybe you're saying that's what I did in a marriage or another. What do I need to do? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that in a minute too, okay? I'll tell you right now, no, you don't need to get a divorce. You got Matthew 19.9? And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marriage another commits adultery. Now, everything here corrects on the correct understanding of except for sexual immorality because that's an exceptional clause. Mm -hmm. Mm 
and especially with the word sexual immorality. What does that mean? Well, the Greek word here is pornea, 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 from which we get our English word pornography. Okay? Now, when pornea is applied to married persons, it means marital unfaithfulness, illicit intercourse. It can involve adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, unlawful, ungodly sex. Okay? Now the simple plain meaning of Jesus' words in verse 9 of Matthew 19.9, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality or marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman, commits adultery. The plain meaning of his words is that divorce is allowed if your mate is guilty of marital unfaithfulness. If you divorce for any other reasons and remarry, you commit adultery. I cannot soften the blow of that. Jesus said it in Matthew 5, 32. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, marital unfaithfulness, causes her to commit adultery if she marries. Anyone who marries a woman so divorced, a woman who has been divorced for something short of sexual morality, commits adultery. Mm -hmm. So the Lord Jesus permitted divorce and remarriage on one ground and one ground only, marital unfaithfulness. Now notice, he permitted it, but he didn't command it. Divorce is never mandatory. Too often we're just looking for a way out. We don't want to work through anything. Right? It's too hard, Pastor. You gotta get, get, get work through it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to get into some biblical counseling. Yeah, some uh, uh, hearts gotta be changed, some actions gotta be changed, you gotta discipline yourself unto godliness, gotta listen to the word of God, you gotta do the homework that you get in the biblical counseling, gotta come together and start together, you gotta work through that thing together. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta work through whatever the uh, 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 resolutions need to be applied to your marriage, conflict resolution, communication problem, a uh, problem with pornography, then you might need to go get some counseling by yourself. Yeah, yeah, work through it, of course. Keep doing things the same old way, that's a recipe for disaster. Preach. 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 Sometimes we know there's gross, unrepentant sexual sin. Okay? And when there's gross, unrepentant sexual sin, a person will not turn. Sometimes marriage is in a divorce. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the offended spouse has the right, the right. to be remarried. Right. The first option should be reconciliation, mm -hmm. repentance, restoration. That should be at the forefront. But because of hardness of hearts, that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? Pastor, are there any other grounds? 
me give you a second one. Alright. Turn to First Corinthians Amen. 7. Amen. Twelve through fifteen. Yes. You can't just open any passage in the Bible and find, find grounds for divorce in a way. Why? Because of what Jesus just taught regarding divorce, marriage. <laughs> marriage is sacred and holy. Okay? This will reflect Christ in the church. Don't enter into that lightly. Don't get married because you just want to combine two incomes. You just want to have sex and not, and not be charged with it. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. That's unbiblical. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Marriage is a covenant. Covenant. Holy unto God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? Amen. I'll tell you something. You don't have any business combining incomes anyway. It's biblically God said the man should take care of it. Amen. You going to have houses and cars and stuff based on two incomes? Hold it, Lord. That's not a biblical idea. Hold it, Pastor. You in First Corinthians? Yes, sir. Pastor will be glad when you close. Well, I tell you what, I'm not closing right now. I close when I get finished. This is too important. We're about to kiss the sun. You can't kiss the sun and deny what he said. Verse 12 through 15. You, you ready? To the rest I say. Here's where some people get crazy. I'm not the Lord. I'm talking about Jesus. What does it mean, I'm not the Lord? Jesus did not address this on earth. Mm -hmm. Come on, come on. That's all he's saying. You know, it has to be the word of God is there. All scripture is given by the inspiration of, of God, breathed out by God. All he's saying, the Lord Jesus did not address this. Okay? That if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Here's what I'm after, verse 15. But if the unbelieving partner or wife or husband or wife separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not bound or enslaved. God has called you to peace. Now, verses 12 through 14, the verses deal with a couple consisting of one saved partner, one unsaved partner. That's right, that's right. Straighten it out. Now, the case is not this. The case is not this, well, uh, a saved woman, or uh, a saved man married an unsaved woman, or uh, uh, vice versa. Uh -huh. That's not. They were both uh, uh, unbelievers uh -huh. when they got married. Yes. After they got married, mm -hmm. one of them got saved, the other didn't. That's right. So they were thinking, He's not saved. I need to get out of this marriage. That's right. That's right. Man was thinking, she's not saved. I need to get out of this marriage. Paul said, uh-uh. Amen. No marriage covenant is holy. 
You can't just run in and out like the back door is open. This is holy God's covenant. You can't just run out because you got saved. That's right. You can start discipling. You can start going forth with the gospel. You can live holy. But you can't just run in and out. Amen. Amen. Right? And he says in verse 15. Well, what if Jesus, what if Paul, but if the unbelieving partner separates, uh -huh. let it be so. Uh -huh. You're not bound and slave uh -huh. to the marriage. God has called you to peace. Here's the sense of the text. If the unbeliever deserves, he's determined not to come back. Let him or her go. You're not bound. You're not enslaved, which means the, the unbeliever has broken the marriage bond, which means you're free to divorce and remarry. Right? Right. That's when it's permitted. Okay? Yes, sir. One more thing. I personally believe, and I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that marriage is, remarriage is permissible for those who have been married before salvation mm -hmm. and divorced before salvation. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God. And then came to Christ after yeah. divorce. Yeah. Here's why I believe that. Because 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new <laughs> has come. New means new in quality. New man, 2.15, Ephesians. New self, Ephesians 4.24. Not only new, but the old has gone, right? Mm -hmm. And among the old that passed away are all sins, including divorce, prior to salvation. Jesus did atone for divorce. Amen. I'm going to give you some closing gospel instruction. If you are single and you desire to be married, mm -hmm. now listen, don't tell me you don't want to be married. You have sexual desires. Come on there. That's right. You want to be married. It's not hard. It's not hard. Mm -hmm. Come on there. That's burning with passion. Yeah, it's right. better to be married than to burn with passion. Right? But if you're single and you desire to be married, what you need to do, biblically speaking, mm -hmm. you need to maximize your singleness to advance the gospel. Yes, sir. Amen. You need to give more of your time and attention to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And let him bring Eve your way if you're a man, and Adam your way if you're a woman. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. But let them come while you're following Christ. If you start looking for Adam and looking for Eve, you're going to end up with the wrong one. Let's let God change. Right? You just pursue Christ. Okay? God, listen, your father knows you want to be married. If you're married, if you're married today, Love your spouse yes, in a way that portrays the gospel. Husbands, yeah. love your, your wives with, uh, with sacrificial love. You know, like Christ loved the church. 
Seek to love her like Christ loved the church. Uh, wives, uh, uh, submit to your husbands and respect your husbands and honor Christ by building up your husband as the spiritual leader of your home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you are considering divorce, remember the preciousness of the gospel and the power of the gospel. We're considering divorce today and sitting on the sound of my weak voice. I ask you, what are the grounds? You don't have grounds. I want, to, I want to urge you to consider how in the context of your marriage, the church can help you. The church can help resolve the conflict. We won't deny that it's real and that it's damaging, but you can get some help. Do I have some warriors here? Yes. You can get some help through Calvin yeah. Keepers. You can get some help through me as your pastor. You can get some help through Elder East as a fellow pastor as well. You can get some help. Maybe you're saying, but I do have biblical grounds. Well, consider the preciousness and power of the gospel and seek reconciliation first. Get some help from the church. Know that Christ can change even the hardest, yes, he can. darkest heart. Yes, he can. Praise the Lord. You're divorced on, on, biblical, on, on biblical grounds. You were divorced on biblical grounds in cases of adultery or abandonment. What do you need to do? Rest in your singleness that God has given you at this time. God grants that you continue single. I pray that by the power of the gospel, you rejoice in your singleness. Yes. If God doesn't and he leads you to remarry, I pray by the power of the gospel, you display the love of Christ for his church in your remarriage. Make sure in your remarriage you marry a Christian. Yes. A true one. Yes, sir. Not somebody just talking. Yes. I'm in church. Yes. A lot of people in church. I sometimes get on my nerve when I hear in church. What does that mean? Right. I mean, you connected with the body of Christ as a living organism. You're in Christ, been baptized into Him, died with Him, and been risen with Him. That's what it means to be in church. If you're divorced today for an unbiblical reason, and you're single, repent. Believe the gospel and glorify God in your singleness. As a Christian, you're divorced for an unbiblical reason. You were the offender. Mm -hmm. You do not have grounds to be remarried. Right. You made a decision yes. that has consequences attached to it. You got to wait yes. for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19. If you're divorced for an unbiblical reason and you're married now, but your divorce was unbiblical, I ask, have you repented? Repent and reflect the gospel in your current marriage. Yes. Yes, sir. Don't get a divorce. Stay faithful to the covenant that you are in. 
Magnify Christ in the covenant that you're in now. Know that the blood of Jesus Christ really does cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Are you with me? And when you say you're with me, you know what my understanding of being with me means? You believe the word I just told you. It's telling the name this morning. It's telling the name this morning. You're not in a Bible-believing church because you have pastors that are faithful to the word. You're in a Bible-believing church when you have pastors and people that are faithful to the word. Faithful to the word. Right. Doesn't make this church Bible-believing because Elder Eves and I are faithful to the word. All right. We are part of the church. You've got to be faithful to it. You've got to believe. We have to believe the truth together and embrace the truth together and go forth with the gospel of Christ together. That's a faithful church. Are you with me? I love you, RBC. I feel the moving of the Spirit of God in my heart right now. You know I'm not a mystical person, okay? To just pray. Tina, will you come and stand beside me? Amen. Will you grab your spouse's hand? Get with her. Amen. Find her. Find your spouse. Find your spouse. Get with them. Young people, we say to you, we believe the truth. That's right, believe it. We believe what God says about marriage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We believe in being faithful. Thirty-five years, my wife. Praise God. Praise God. Sixty years, my dad. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cynthia, you're about thirty-eight, aren't you? <laughs> thirty-eight years. My brother had adultery committed against him twice. Jesus. Well, it's important for you to know that. But he's 20, about 20 plus years into marriage. Thank you, God. Come on. Stand together, couples. Amen. If you're able, if you're not. Amen. You know, Elder E's precious wife is not able to be here this morning. But spiritually, I can see her right beside me. Amen. But do it. Your precious wife is out front. I know she had to break in the. Couples, you believe it? Yes. Oh, yes. 
You believe the truth of God's word. Over against all that you hear. From the sinful culture that we live in. We believe God's word. Let's show them Christ in the church as we never have before. Let's show them Christ in his church. Heavenly Father. This is your word. And you did not come up with a bad idea. No. You introduced to man a holy covenant that has always been bound up in your heart. A covenant that is attached to the covenant of grace because it is a reflection of Christ in the church. Wow. A holy covenant. And Heavenly Father, you didn't mess it up. The man and the woman messed it up. But you're so great. When they messed it up, you sent Jesus to clean it up. And then you sent your Holy Spirit to indwell us. So that we can now live it up in the power of the Spirit. We're not saying that it's easy. Every couple standing, those sitting whose spouses are not here, we need grace to help in our time of need. So much is coming at, at us physically, Lord. When we're when we're out, when we're watching television, or uh, 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 wherever we may be, so much is coming against your holy covenant, even in the political realm. So much is coming against it. We need grace to help in time of need. Help us, Lord, to embrace marriage between one woman and one man. One man and one woman for all times. Help us, dear God, to prioritize the marriage relationship. Help each one of us as husbands to prioritize our relationship with our wife above all other relationships other than our relationship with you, which feeds and enables us to prioritize our relationship with our wives. Help us, dear God, To see the permanence of our relationship. Help us to grow more and more and work in us more and more a one flesh union. Lord, we don't need but one story, one purpose, one goal, one direction. We just want to follow you. And help us, dear God, to see the truth about marriage being your covenant and we have no business doing anything but honoring you in it, not messing with it in any other way. So help us, dear Father, to honor the marriage covenant. Oh, Father, thank you for my wife. Thank you for these married couples. 
Thank you for bringing us together in, in, in this place. The holy church of, of the living God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Help us, Lord, to hate divorce. Help us, Father. And I pray that as the senior pastor of this church, keep me. I don't ever want to be found divorcing my wife. I don't ever want to be found committing adultery. Oh God. Help Elder Eves to be faithful to the ministry we have at home. Strengthen us, dear God, to lead your people through our example. Bless every couple. Strengthen them in every struggle. Help them to know your word is always the answer. Not something we try and hope it works. It is always the answer in the power of the spirit, rightly applied and rightly lived. It is always the answer and it is always successful. May that be so in our lives. And help this church to give glory to you in our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen.